Good morning and welcome to the first convocation of 2013-2014. It's good to see you all here. My name is Becky Horst. One of my jobs here is to coordinate the convocations, which normally are on Monday mornings in this space. On Fridays, we have chapel services also in this space. There is a difference. Convocations on Monday, chapels on Friday. If you, are, if you have a campus mailbox here, you would have gotten a half-sheet schedule for the first half of the semester with some information on the back. If you don't have a campus mailbox, all of this information is on the chapel website, the chapel website. Full-time students are required to go to about half of these events. Um, today is a freebie because a couple of our scanners aren't working, so everybody will get credit for this, this first one. Starting on Friday, <laughs> starting on Friday, you'll present your ID card as you leave. So you'll come in and find a seat just like you did today, but then when you leave, you'll have your ID card scanned for attendance, starting on Friday. Okay. Um, we have a great convocation today. We're going to be ending with the applause tunnel like we usually do. If we were all on an airplane, now would be the time that the pilot would say, please turn off all electronic devices. <laughs> so if you have an iPad, an iPod, a cell phone, a laptop, make sure it's powered down. And give your attention to the speaker, because you know what? When you're the speaker up here, you can see everybody, even the back rows. <laughs> and the speaker can tell whether or not you're being a respectful audience member. So it's my pleasure to introduce the student who will introduce the president. Pete Biddle is a junior from Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. He's a double major in chemistry and physics. He just returned from Peru SST, and he's part of the convocation committee. So please welcome Pete Biddle. Good morning. I am here to introduce President James E. Brenneman, also known to GC students as Jimmy B. Brenneman grew up in Tampa, Florida, and came to Goshen College long ago as a pre-med student. <laughs> like many of us, his interests changed after he got here, and he graduated with an interdisciplinary major in Bible, Biology, and Natural Science. In 2006, President Brenneman, along with his wife, Dr. Terry Plank Brenneman, whom he met at Goshen College while both were living in Howell House, and their son, Quinn, moved to Goshen so that he could serve as the 14th president of Goshen College. Now, it seems clear to me as a resident of Kenwood House that the quality of Howell residents has clearly declined <laughs> since President Brenneman's stay. One of the first times I met President Brenneman was at Mennonite Convention in Pittsburgh. I was wandering through the convention hall with a few friends when we came upon a microphone on a stand just sitting alone by a wall. And it was also plugged in, so naturally we went up to it and turned it on, gave it a couple taps, and yeah, kind of like that. And you could hear it boom, boom through the hall. And well, that day, in order to win some sweet Goshen headbands, you had to get a picture with President Brenneman. And we could see him way over on the other side of the hall. So in the best deep voice I could muster, I said something like, 
Jim Brenneman, please report to the entrance of the exhibition hall. <laughs> and we could see him the whole time over there. He was having some, looked like a really important conversation. <laughs> Probably trying to promote his rap career. And <clears throat> anyway, he came right over, looking around for this important voice that was going to talk to him. And when he realized it was just us, we all had a really good laugh. And still got the picture. So. Here at Goshen, uh, students enjoy engaging President Benjamin in conversation about anything from the college's efforts to become more sustainable to speculation about his next kickoff appearance. Each fall, our president launches the new school year of the um, at the convocation, opening convocation, and introduces one of the five core values that we will focus on. This year, it is compassionate peacemaking. Please join me in welcoming President Brenneman. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Pete, for that nice introduction. Actually, I did know it was you, but <laughs> presidents got to do what they got to do. Um, hey, it is wonderful to be here, and welcome back from Peru. I did see that you were wearing war paint. I saw some pictures there, and I know you were teaching fellow students bow and arrow with poison-tipped arrows, I think, or something like that. So, got to look out for the black squirrels on campus. We got to send out a warning. So, uh, it's yeah, look out. Anyway, thank you for that introduction, and it's wonderful to see you all. Welcome. Welcome to Goshen College. You look great. You look fabulous, as they say, and it's good to see you all again. <clears throat> well, it gets pretty lonely around here during the summer when you're not around, and I just read a recent study that said lonely people tend to eat the wrong things, fatty things, exercise less, get less sleep, and mature prematurely age. So if I'm looking fatter, sleepier, and older, it's all your fault. <laughs> now I have no excuse. I have to work on that for the rest of the year. But by the way, for those of you who are first years, the study also said, if you're feeling a little lonely or homesick, the study actually said if you make a connection with any other person, it really helps with feelings of loneliness. It can be as simple as walking across and saying, what's up? Or how are you doing? Or hello there. It, it really is minimal what you have to do to be connected to other people. So all of those oldies who are here, be sure to reach out to those who are new, and those of you who are new, just say, what's up, every now and then to someone walking by. And I'm sure you'll feel more at home as you, come, as you get used to being here at Goshen College. Now, if you're seniors, I already know that nine months from now, I'll be handing you your diploma, is the plan, and uh, we will miss you forever until you come back for alumni gatherings or I see you out and about. So if you're a senior today, I want you to stand and I want everyone else to welcome the seniors here for this year. All right. Now, if you're, if you're sophomores and juniors, you're around for a few years, but we're sure glad you're here again this year. So if you're sophomores or juniors, will you please stand? and we want to welcome you. 
All right. And best of all, for those of us who get lonely and watch you all leave, uh, we have a whole bunch of new people here t this year. So if this is your first time on the Goshen College campus as a student, whatever year it is, and particularly if you're first-year students, will you please stand and we welcome you as well. All right. One last group. We have a whole bunch of administrators and faculty and staff people who are sprinkled throughout, and this place wouldn't be the great place it is without those folks around too. So if that's your category, will you please stand and we want to thank you and welcome you. Great to see you all. Great. Oh. And before things get started this morning, I, I want to take a picture of you. You may have noticed up on the screen, we now have, you can uh, hashtag iHeartGoshen. Hashtag iHeartGoshen. And just be on the lookout for it and post things up there, things that you love about the college. We're spreading the good news all over the world of how we hashtag HeartGoshen. What is it? Hashtag iHeartGoshen. So there you go. <laughs> I just smile, everybody. Awesome. All right, keep your eyes for that, and don't forget to hashtag iHeartGoshen with something that inspires you and that you love about the college. So now let's everyone stand, and we're going to sing the great alma mater of Goshen College. Goshen College, we love you, and Dr. Scott is going to come and lead us in that. Hi, everybody. Before we launch into the alma mater, since I have the mic. We have a wonderful tradition of singing at Goshen College. And we want you to be part of that. Especially if you are a male. <laughs> we have a wonderful singing opportunity for you, the men's chorus. If you've not heard the men's chorus, they will blow your mind. They're amazing. Come be part of them. Come over to the Music Center and sign up for one of the available slots. If, if there are no slots available, because you're all going to run over there and do that, we will add some slots. So if it doesn't work in your schedule, please email me. We are doing the great Carmina Barana this fall, one of the greatest choral works of all time in Souter Hall. It will be amazing. Now, we do have the Goshen College String Quartet to accompany us with this alma mater. It's, it's a wonderful alma mater, a little bit quirky, but you'll get used to it, and you will love it. For those of you who really know it, I would ask you to sing the first verse loudly, and also the first refrain, okay? If you don't know it, you can stand there and take in the sounds, and then join us again for verse one and the refrain. And our string quartet will do a little intro.
Maybe it's my age, but every year I sing that song, it sounds sweeter and sweeter. It's a very beautiful song. Alma mater, we love you. And I'm sure if you hang around this place for very long, that song, as well as its meaning, will become true and dear to your hearts as well. Well, each year, as was noted by Pete, we focus on one of the core values here at Goshen College, and this year we're focusing on the core value, compassionate learning. Uh, excuse me, compassionate peacemaking. <laughs> yeah. Passionate learning was last year. All right. Now, it makes perfect sense in my mind that peacemaking part of that core value is one of the core values of Goshen College, and it would be since Goshen College is part of a 500-year-old heritage of peacemaking, of the peacemaking church heritage. It makes a lot of sense also because few people on the planet would ever argue that lasting peace or a planet of ultimate peace would be a great dream for the whole world. I mean, what Miss Universe or Miss USA contest have you watched, if you've watched any, in which the contestants always wish for world peace. So that makes sense on a, a number of levels, but also the very fact that Christ-centered is one of our central core values here, and of course we know the Apostle Paul said that Jesus, Jesus Christ, is our peace. The person of Christ is our peace, and he, and he went on to say Jesus came preaching peace, and we know that one of the great Sermon on the Mount, one of the great uh, uh, preaching experiences that the first century people had of Jesus himself, he begins that great sermon with, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. They shall be called the children of God. Now, as a college whose peacemaking roots run deep, very deep, whose peacemaking identity and ideology are as thick as the trunk of a sequoia, whose theories and theologies of peace are expansive, whose practices and pedagogies of peacemaking are unassailable, naming one of our core values, passionate peacemaking, seems like a no-brainer to me. What most intrigues me about the naming of the core value is the modifying adjective compassionate, compassionate peacemaking. Adding the qualifier compassionate to peacemaking seems to me to both hold within it a critique and a blessing of the word peacemaking that might otherwise have become all too familiar to us here at Goshen College. By adding the word compassionate to peacemaking, the framers of our core values not only recognized that peacemaking was part of the blood and bone of our college and its 500-year old peace heritage, but they also seemed aware of the fact that making peace can sometimes be a cruel and unusual affair. Perhaps they experienced or knew that it is possible to kill others softly with our songs of peace, our words of peace, our attitudes of peace, our peaceful purities and pieties. So for the framers of our core values, it wasn't simply good enough to reclaim our peacemaking core without modifying it a bit with the word compassionate. Because in the end, isn't it the case that for all religions of the world, for all the peoples of the world, peace is not simply the absence of violence 
or clever and profound mediation tactics, or a state of mind, but, as the Dalai Lama has put it so well, peace is the very manifestation of human compassion. Peace is the very manifestation of human compassion. Should not compassionate peacemaking then echo Einstein's call for compassion to extend to the whole of nature and its beauty as well? I hope that at a liberal arts college like Goshen College, our understanding of the meaning of the core value, compassionate peacemaking, will be as deep and wide and fully human and wonderfully divine as life itself is. And I hope a spirit of compassionate peacemaking generously pervades even our attempts at defining its meaning. We all come from different life experiences, different cultures, different places, different ways of looking and holding up this idea of compassionate peacemaking, and it will be natural that we will have different ways of interpreting the meaning of that core value. I want to share four stories this morning that in some ways describe for me a, a complex but beautiful way of speaking about compassionate peacemaking. The first one has to do with compassionate peacemaking as part of the rule of law and how compassion intersects with the rule of law. For example, how does Al Makoviak, a 39-year veteran of the Goshen Police Force, now head of the campus security and safety here at Goshen College, think about compassionate peacemaking. By the way, if you see Al on campus, give him a big hug. He's really a teddy bear. He's right over there, I believe. <laughs> Al may break the stereotypes of what a compassionate peacemaking person is, an officer of peace. Al told us at our recent retreat that he's always measured his life as a police and security officer against the golden rule and by doing small acts of human kindness. Al has spent most of his career focused on helping the most vulnerable people in our society. Fourteen years he served as a leader in the field of child and domestic abuse prevention. Al has seen it all. He could tell us stories that would be moving and, and horrific and sad in how he has stepped in and cared for the most defenseless among us. Stories that might put any one of us on notice about what it truly means to intervene in such situations as a person of compassion, as a peacemaker, as an officer of peace. Al served on the board of the Women's Resource Center and won an award doing so. And much of the last half of his career, he has protected senior citizens from physical abuse and our grandparents and, and great-grandparents from fraudulent schemes to steal their life savings. I was particularly moved when Al was sharing his story and how, in his quiet and unassuming way, he spoke about his faith that when he wakes up every morning, each and every day, he says a prayer to the Holy Spirit to help him be a kinder, more helpful person to everyone he encounters that day, especially to those who are defenseless and in most need of his help. Sometimes then you see the rule of law, 
the right to protection. The UN has this, it's called R2P. R2P stands for the right to protection. The right of protection for the defenseless, the innocent, the most vulnerable and weakest in our societies and world to be protecting. Holding others accountable for the abuse is compassionate peacemaking indeed. A second way, so if the rule of law and obeying the law and in some sense has an integrated quality about being compassionate and being a peacemaker, so does sometimes disobedience of the law. Lois Mary Gundon Clemens is a GC graduate of 1936 who as a young college graduate risked her very life while serving in an orphanage when Nazi Germany occupied France in World War II. She had to make a decision whether she would disobey the law in order to harbor refugee Jewish children hidden among the other Spanish refugee children who were crossing the border because of civil war in Spain. She had to make a decision whether she would hide the Jewish children even as Nazi soldiers came to the door repeatedly and unannounced looking for any Jewish children to send to the gas chambers. For anyone who thinks, in hindsight, that her decision was clear-cut, need only read her diaries, the anguish of her diaries. If she disobeyed and got caught harboring Jewish kids, all the other kids might suffer. Her diaries tell of horrible mental anguish that she suffered, wrestling with what it meant to defy the laws of France and Germany, herself a foreigner, to live in a state of moral ambiguity between the law of conscience and the law of the land and the duty of protecting a few at the risk to many, including herself. In the end, she was caught and arrested and held in prison, and but for the grace of God through a prisoner exchange, she was deported back to the United States where she then returned to teach here at Goshen College as a professor of French and German. Just this past year, posthumously, uh, Lois Gundon Clemens was one of only two Americans ever to receive Israel's Yad Vashem Holocaust Memorial Righteous Among the Nations Award for her quiet but daring act of compassionate peacemaking. She has a tree planted in Israel next to the Yad Vashem memorial, even as we speak. Sometimes, you see, the higher law of love requires one to disobey lesser laws. This, too, can be an act of compassionate peacemaking. Compassionate peacemaking and makers aren't always those who spend lifetimes thinking about the theology of peacemaking or graduate from a a school that teaches about peacemaking. They aren't those who sometimes thought long and hard about the practice of peacemaking, whose skills are fine-tuned, whose compassion are well-honed by years of habit. Sometimes it's the innocent, the young, the child, the youth among us who is our best teacher. In October of 2012, the world watched as Taliban zealots shot a 15-year-old Pakistani Muslim schoolgirl in the head as she and her friends were riding to school on a school bus. Her name is Malala. After a year-long recovery, the United Nations declared Friday, July 12th, Mala Day 
in honor of this inspirational young girl in order to commemorate her 16th birthday. She celebrated this day by making her first public appearance and delivering one of the most moving speeches I have heard in a long time before the United Nations Youth Assembly. If you haven't listened to the speech on YouTube, I just invite all of you to do so. Your lives may be changed forever. Lest anyone wish to blame Islam's God for the wayward misinterpretation of the Taliban, she begins her speech with the traditional Muslim greeting, in the name of God, the most beneficent, the most merciful. She continues, the Taliban shot me. They shot my friends too. They thought that the bullets would silence us. And if you see her, she has half of her face is somewhat paralyzed. But they failed, she said. And then out of that silence came thousands of voices. The terrorists thought that they would change our aims and stop our ambitions, but nothing changed in my life except this. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage were born. What she says next is almost incomprehensible, unbelievable really, given what happened to her, yet somehow so deeply right and holy and true. She says with affection, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not against anyone, neither am I here to speak in terms of personal revenge against anyone, the Taliban or others. I'm here to speak up for the right of education of every child, I want education for the sons and daughters of all the extremists, especially the Taliban. This, she says, is the compassion that I have learned from Muhammad, the prophet of mercy, from Jesus Christ, and from Lord Buddha. This is the legacy of change that I have inherited from Martin Luther King, from Nelson Mandela, and Muhammad Ali Jinnah. This is the philosophy of nonviolence that I have learned from Gandhi, from Baka Khan, and Mother Teresa. And this is the forgiveness that I have learned from my mother and father. This is what my soul is telling me. Be peaceful and love everyone. There's no limit, you see, by age or education, but that we, like Malala, can be compassionate peacemakers too. And finally, the last story is that of Jan Zawadzki. Some of you know him. Jan is one of, he was a basketball player. He's one of the most energetic, fun-loving, spirited young people. Funny, friendly, outgoing. He's now got a great job in Berlin, as uh, I just heard. Uh, uh, he's back home in his home country, Germany. And uh, he came and coined a term for us. Uh, last, at the end of his semester last year, or in February of last year, in his senior convo statement, he reached out in what I think was a beautifully vulnerable, humorous way of, of speaking directly and specifically to those of us who are part of the predominantly Mennonite culture here on the Goshen College campus. Jan described what it was like living in a divided Germany and how it sometimes felt for him and others that there was also a wall dividing international students from other students here on campus. Mennonite students from non-Mennonite students, and other kinds of walls, cultural and otherwise, dividing each of us from the other. And by the way, if this were, a, if this were Georgetown University, he might have coined the phrase, the Catholic wall. 
If this was a Baptist, Baylor University, he might have coined the term the Baptist wall. So it's not, he's not picking on any of us. He's just saying there are walls that we put up between each other, and he was calling us on it in a very delightful, wonderful way. He even pointed out to how chapels and convos are sometimes divided by culture. He challenged those of us from the United States, especially those of us from the majority cultures of the United States, to go out of our way to ask questions of students from other cultures, to go out of our way to make friends here on campus, with it, particularly with international students. Why go on SST to a foreign country for three months, he asks, to learn about other cultures when we have nearly 25% of our campus made up of international and intercultural students who are here, together we are, for four full years. Jan ended his address to us by simply saying, fellow students, staff, and faculty, tear down this wall. He borrowed that from former President Reagan, but it still rings true. <laughs> So, here in a college whose vision is to become a world house of learning, where 80% of whose faculty has studied, lived, and taught on all the inhabitable continents of the world, the majority of whose students study abroad while here, whose bone and blood, whose marrow and nervous systems pulsate with the language of peace, peace, peace for all peoples of the world, peace among all of us, let us renew our commitment to become compassionate peacemakers who tear down the walls that divide us still. In a word then, let us recommit ourselves this year, the year of compassionate peacemaking, to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, to sit together in convo and chapel, to eat together in the dining hall, to listen more compassionately to one another, to ask questions of those we do not know, to be more aware of our many privileges and prejudices that keep us apart, to learn from one another about how making peace may even require different ways of doing so between us. In just a few minutes, the parables, Goshen College's traveling worship group directed by Dr. Deb Brubaker, will come to sing that wonderful spiritual about a river that never runs dry. The song invites us to step into the river, to plunge into its life-giving stream, to let ourselves be lifted by its current, especially so in times of trouble and division. It calls to that deep place within each of us where our knowingness flows, where our compassions flow. So let us enter the river of compassion fully, body, soul, and spirit this year. In whatever our peacemaking forms take, let compassion reign over them. Let us create a Goshen College, a beloved community, where in the words of the great dreamer, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., no one is judged by the color of their skin, but only by the content of their character. Let us sow the seeds of compassion this year. Let us become compassionate peacemakers, not only today, not tomorrow only, but every day for the rest of our lives. Will you commit that with me this year and ongoing? Parables, will you come and lead us to the river of compassion? Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you, Parables. Now it's time to begin our applause tunnels, so I'm going to ask the leaders to go to this door, and this door will we'll have two tunnels beginning here in this sanctuary. They'll join, we'll go in front of the library and turn right, and we'll all end up on the lawn south of Kratz Miller for a big picture, a big campus picture. And at the end of the picture, stick around because there'll be free t-shirts. And if you... And if, if you get the one that isn't your size, you'll have to give it just to someone else. So first, faculty and staff. All faculty and staff go out either this door or this door. Right, right, just a few t-shirts, <laughs> not for everybody. <laughs> okay, faculty and staff first.